ask if you will open your Bibles to the passage that Frankie read for us a few moments ago, Luke chapter 24 and verse 32. For those of you who are familiar with this particular text, this is an occasion that took place after Jesus rose from the dead. And these are a listing of the different appearances that he made after he rose from the dead. And we don't know the names of these two disciples that he appeared to, but they were walking on their way to a town called Emmaus. And um, Jesus appeared to these two men. Um, I don't know why they couldn't figure out who he was when they first met him. I don't know what changed after they started eating, that their eyes were open. The Bible doesn't tell us, and we can go into um, uh, all kinds of conjecture, trying to figure out what happened, about whether his body was different or he was doing this on purpose, and a variety of different things we could discuss. But the one thing about this particular section of Scripture that impresses me the most and the thing that causes me to think and something that I think we can learn the most from this whole discussion that Jesus had with these two men from Emmaus or or that were going on their way to Emmaus is what we see here in verse 32. When they make this statement, and this is a very profound statement, something that I want us to think about for just a few moments tonight. When they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Now think about that for a few moments. Kind of zero in what they're saying. To paraphrase, they were saying that their hearts began to burn within them. When he started talking to them, evidently, about spiritual things and about the scriptures. It caused their hearts to burn within them. Back in the summer of 1536... There was a large crowd that had gathered in England. And the reason why they had gathered on this particular occasion during this summer day was because there was a man who had been tied to a stake and around him was a great pile of wood and the king's executioner was standing there holding a torch and he was about to light this particular uh, fire And they were going to burn this man to death. This man was around 40 years old. He graduated at the top of his class from Oxford University. He is a very educated man, a man who loved the people of England. But the king had now ordered him to be executed. What had he done? What did he do to deserve Such a terrible, terrible execution and punishment. Well, the executioner walked up. He lit the flame. The flames began to burn. And the people watched as the flames consumed his body. And a man was literally burned to death. What was his crime? What did he do that was so bad that the king wanted him to have a public execution and put to death in such a way? Well, the guy's name was William Tyndale. He was born in 1494, and obviously if he was burned at the stake in 1536, that's when he died. But his one crime 
his one ambition, the one thing that he really wanted to do that caused him to lose his life was that he wanted to make the Bible available to everyone. He wanted to make sure that the Bible was available to the common man. But you would think that would be something that was innocent enough but during this time period, there were some powerful forces that just not, did not want just anybody to be able to read the Bible. And the crime that William Tyndale committed was he translated the Bible from Greek into English. So finally, in the history of the world, there was a Bible that an English-speaking man could read. But as I said, the power and the position of the clergy and the churches who had been practicing things that were so different from Scripture, knew they were going to be found out, knew it was not something good that man could just simply pick up the Bible and study it on his own. And so they were going to put a stop to this. And the one leading the charge, who was the head of the church in England, was the king, the head of the church of England. The clerics didn't want people to be able to contradiction. The clerks did not want them to be able to study on their own, but instead they wanted to be able to make proclamations from God. They wanted to be able to tell people what to do. They wanted to make sure that there was always a big line, a division between what was known as clergy and laity, and there should be nothing that would break that line. But long comes William Tyndale and had the audacity to translate the Bible into English so that any person be able to read it. Well, William Tyndale was arrested, and he had a trial, his very first trial. And, of course, the clerks made their arguments, and Tyndale's defense made their arguments. And so they told him that he needed to stop what he was doing, and if he didn't, he was going to be arrested and put to death. But I like what William Tyndale told the court on that particular occasion. And I'm quoting, these are his words. He says, if God spares my life before many years pass, I will make it possible for the boy behind the plow to know more scripture than you do. He was exiled to Holland, and in Holland he kept printing more Bibles. He kept trying to get them to smuggled into England. People died smuggling them across the channel. People died because they were arrested and executed for having an English Bible in their possession. And finally, in 1536, he too was arrested in Holland and brought back to England to stand trial once again. And this time, of course, he was convicted of disobeying the king's orders, disobeying the church's orders. And so the proclamation was made that he would die by burning at the stake because he was considered a heretic, someone who was a false prophet, someone who was speaking against the church. But all he did was translate a Bible from Greek into English so that the regular man could read it. As he was tied there to the stake and the executioner came up with the torch to light the wood around him, his last words that we have recorded are simply this. Lord, as his voice rang out through all the courtyard for everybody to hear, open 
the king of England's eyes. And those are the last words that we have recorded of William Tyndale. Now, do me a favor, if you would please, take out your own copy of God's Word. And I want you to think for a moment as you're able to flip through the pages, as you're able to read the words here in English, as you're able to do your own study and come to your own conclusions as we always stress that we need to not stand on what other people may teach us but yet come to our own conclusions. Do you not realize that right here in your hand and also in my hand is one of the most precious things that we have ever owned? This thing called a Bible. There was a time in the world that only the very, very rich could own a Bible. They were so precious that you had to spend literally uh, what would be in our day thousands and thousands of dollars just to have a copy of God's Word. But thankfully, a guy by the name of Johann Gutenberg started printing a Bible, a German Bible, and people picked up that with that printing press that other people could make Bibles, and um, for long Common people began to have God's Word. In fact, Tyndall's English Bible became so dangerous that it was considered a part of a revolution. And he, of course, uh, lost his life for it. And it was so precious to thousands of Englishmen that they risked their lives just to get a copy of it so they could read the truths that are found in. And we know what the result was. As English men started reading the Bible in their language, as German men started reading the Bible in their language, and other people started reading the Bible in their language, something took place in this country called the Great, or not in this country, but in Europe, called the Great Reformation. When there came a plea for the, from the common man that Reformation needed to take place in the church because it was so far skewed of what God's Word taught. And, of course, out of the Reformation arose the Restoration that mainly started here in these United States that said not only do we need to reform the church, we need to restore the church back to the original scriptures that we have recorded for us. The reason why I bring all this up is because I think there's sometimes in our lives when we take this book for granted, I mean, after all, we can pick up a copy of Wally World if we really need one for $5 or so. If you don't have $5 to go to Wally World, you can go to most motel and go up to the lobby counter and say, you happen to have an extra Bible that you put in the room, so they probably would just give you a copy. There's so many Bibles in the world today, and we can leave here tonight, and I can have it sitting right there on the dash of my car, or I can have it visible on my coffee table, or have it beside my easy chair, and nobody's going to come in and take it from me. I don't have to smuggle this book around. I don't have to figure out a way to make sure nobody sees it. I don't have to worry about losing my life because I have a copy of it. In fact, the biggest danger that might happen now, if you own a copy of God's Word, is not a life taken, but maybe a life changed. And that's why this book is so important. So tonight... I want to ask you just a couple of questions. Tyndall's Bible was so valuable 
that it was enough to die for? Is your Bible important enough to read? Tyndall's Bible was so important that it had to be smuggled across the English, English Channel. Is your Bible important enough to obey? Tyndall's Bible was responsible for lifting the spirits of thousands of Englishmen, carpenters, lawyers, doctors, and yes, even the boy behind the plow. Is it your Bible important enough for you to live by the scriptures that are presented therein? On that particular day, no fire burned hotter than the day that Tyndall died, than the fire and the power of God's word. It needs to burn in our hearts also. So with all that being said, let's go back and look at those two men on the way to Emmaus. And I want you to think about what they were talking about when they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Here were people that were so interested in wanting to know what God had to say to them. They were so excited about the fact that they were able to discuss the scriptures with somebody. But the Bible says that their hearts burned within them. This, something, this was something that was their passion, something they were excited about, something that so excited them that they were able to spend some time who at the first, they didn't even know was the resurrected Lord. But yet, still their hearts burned within them as they walked along the way. And this man that they did not know talked to them about God's Word and talked to them about the Scripture. It's my hope and prayer tonight that once again we will appreciate what a precious book divine this is and not ever take it for granted, but make it a part of our daily lives that we simply just don't look at it and not just simply read it, but instead study it and then apply it. If you have a need this evening, won't you come as together we stand and sing.